Baruch and uh, a little break with tradition tonight on a couple of a uh, couple of points. Uh, one is, of course, we always speak about—I should say, almost always—we speak about the Pasha Shavuah. And on those occasions that we do manage to work in whatever moadim there are, we usually manage to work them into the parsha somehow and throw them in, in the last five minutes as a sort of aha, and uh, that's always cute. But uh, we're going to be doing this evening a shir that's essentially dedicated to the upcoming moed. And in that sense is the second area that we're really breaking with tradition because we always give the shir on Motsi Shabbos. And so people say, well, you gave me some great insights into the parasha, too bad you didn't give it to me at the beginning of the week, so I could have spent the week focusing on this idea, now it's over, I have to follow it away for next year. Well, first of all, that's how I sell tapes. And second of all, that's also the concept between, about the idea of Shabbos is not just Shabbos. Shabbos is... Really, we start on Wednesday already, we know the Shir Yom on Yom Revi'i, we start saying already L'chun and we start preparing. Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we're preparing for Shabbos. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, we're coming out. So the truth is, mostly Shabbos is right about in the middle. So I'm really, you know, getting, you know, from the Koach of that parish that went into it, into the next week from that Shabbos. That's uh, sort of a cop-out. But in any event, that'll, that'll do. Um, and, and on the, there was one other occasion, I think we actually spoke about Hanukkah, and of course I think we managed to put it on the last night, so uh, just to be able to keep up with our, uh, our tradition here. Now we're actually going to be talking about um, Hanukkah, and today is Chavdalit. Chavdalit is the quintessential preparation for Hanukkah. Erev Hanukkah is the best preparation for Hanukkah. Now obviously you could say Erev Pesach is the best preparation for Pesach and Erev uh, you know, Sukkot is the best preparation for Sukkot. But the, the truth of the matter is that there is a stage of transformation that takes place going from Erev Hanukkah into Hanukkah. And uh, we, may, we spoke about this many, many years ago. But the 24th of Hanukkah, as opposed to the 25th of Hanukkah, the 24th is the number 24 as opposed to the number 25. The number 24 is, as we mentioned, 1 times 2 times 3 times 4, which is how many different combinations you can make of Hashem's name, Yudke Vavke. It'll come out to 24 different possibilities. Hence, the number 24 pops up a lot. 24 gifts of the, of the Kahuna, 24 uh, types of Kishutim, that the Tachshitin, uh, I should say, that the uh, Kala bedecks herself with, and many other 24s that pop up. 25 is one step beyond that. And that's why, interestingly enough, Baruch Shem Kavod Malchus Yilam Va'ed has 24 letters, whereas Shema Yisrael Hashem Alikeno Hashem Achad has 25 letters. So the 25th is really going from the 24, which is the limitation of this world, to the 25th, which is beyond. And we know that's the eight days of Hanukkah is beyond. It is so beyond the normal limitations, it doesn't even fit into one month. Every other Chag fits into a month, except for Hanukkah, which uh, goes over into the next month, spills over. It's so unlimited. The number seven is this world, and eight is beyond this world, reaches beyond. And so all of this, all of these are ideas that uh, explain the significance of being able to prepare ourselves for Hanukkah and Erev Hanukkah, Dafka. There's a special significance to this day. You know, we think that 
you know, the, the Hashmanayim rededicated the base of Mikdash on the 25th of Hanukkah. Hence, we have a holiday on the 25th of Hanukkah. It's a mistake. There was a holiday on the 25th of Hanukkah. We didn't realize it till the Hashmanayim rededicated the base of Mikdash on the 25th of, of Kislev. Excuse me, the 25th of Kislev. But this was a day that always had this power, and that's why the Gemara says they waited until the next year to see whether or not the Chachamim could feel this power. And if they felt that there was an eternal power to this day, then they made it a, a holiday of Adoros. It's a moe that has been established for all times, but it's because this day is, transcends the normal functioning of the world. So that's by way of introduction. That's why we're having the Sheikh here. And... Um, as we know, there are two places to try to understand Hanukkah. And I think before I say this, I, I, uh, I should give one other piece of introduction. And, uh, and that's the following. We've spoken about this uh, a number of times in the past, but it, it bears repetition. And that is, Hanukkah should not be Hanukkah again. Just like Pesach shouldn't be Pesach again. I remember years ago hearing about someone said, you know, there's a difference between a lawyer with 10 years experience and a lawyer with one year experience 10 times. You know, so too there are people who are 50 who've been to, let's say, you know, participated in 45 Pesach Seders and there are people who are 50 who participated in one Pesach Seder 45 times. But it was the same Pesach Seder. When they're 50, they're having the same Pesach Seder they had when they were 5 or 10, or 15, or 20. It's sad, but true. It's true. And you find people are celebrating Hanukkah on the same level. I was once speaking to a group of students in Hebrew University who had spent an entire year studying how to teach Jewish education to the diaspora. And I said, you know, you're going to be going out, and you have to understand that if you have a child's understanding of Judaism, and you haven't moved beyond that, I said, if to you, Hanukkah is sitting on the floor playing with a dreidel, eating latkes, singing dreidel, 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 you understand, you're not going to have much to offer people. And everybody nodded, except this one guy who said, what's wrong with that? I said, you find that meaningful. You find it meaningful to sit on the ground, play with a dreidel, sing dreidel, 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 and eat potato pancakes? That's enough for you to, to, to keep Judaism alive? Yeah. I said, Okay. Okay, you're the first one I met. Most people don't find that if I have a child's understanding of Hanukkah, that's going to be enough for, for, for Hanukkah to keep going. Or certainly not to have relevance to my life. Now, kids go to Hebrew school, you know, these kids who are now out teaching Jewish education, you know, they have a basic Jewish education and they learn, you know, that uh, the Greeks are the enemies because the Greeks tried to bring us culture. Greeks wanted to bring us theater and sports and, um, and philosophy. And so we killed them. So we wanted to sit on the floor and play with that dreidel and eat latkes. You know what I mean? <laughs> and they get to college and they're like, gee, I can't understand why we're so bad about Plato. I've asked this question over and over again. I, I, I asked it to a women's group that I was doing. I said, what's so wrong with Plato? Why, do we, why are we upset about it? And they said, because it's almost impossible to get out of the carpet. Plato, when it gets... <laughs> Oh, that's the only Greek philosopher joke I know, so I'm sorry, that's it. Anyway, but, uh, but this is the idea. The idea is that if we, if we come to Hanukkah again, and we just do it again, you know, 
The woman goes to the rabbi and says, Rabbi, I'm not coming to Shul ever again. He says, why? He says, it's so boring. Every time I come, it's kol nidre, kol nidre, kol nidre. Don't you have anything else here, you know? <laughs> so that's what you come for. After a while, it's not going to be very meaningful for you. And there are some people who take the same approach to Shemana Esri. Shach was Melchavayah, Shach was Melchavayah. Gosh, don't you have anything else here, you know? Gosh, what else do you have? Same Shemana Esri over and over again. Well, of course, if we don't understand every day how to take that experience and bring it up to a higher level, then yeah, we're going to be frustrated. So Hanukkah comes around, you know, and there's, there's, unfortunately, many people develop a certain level of understanding, and that's it. That's the level that they stay with for the rest of their lives. And we have to every year work to, to, uh, to push it up further, to bring, to bring a deeper understanding. Um, I heard from people who are close to Rav Hutna that Rav Hutna, even in very difficult situations, was most nefesh to always make sure and say a maimra every year. Because he felt it was important, even if he only had a small chabur of people he could say it to, that every year we have to gain a deeper understanding of what this moed is and what it's supposed to mean to us, and not just do it again. Right? So, uh, I'm picking one idea that I would like to focus on for myself this coming year. And that is, of course, in the Tefillah al-Hanisim. Yeah? Now, before I get to the Tefillah al-Hanisim, which the Chachomim put together for us, to understand Hanukkah, that we should say it three times a day, we should say it when we binge, etc. Before I come to that, we all know the famous Gemara in Shabbos, on Dafchafal from the days of my Hanukkah. My Hanukkah, as Rashi explains, um, what was the miracle that made us make this holiday of Hanukkah? The Torah Baran, Bechafei Bekislev, Yomi de Hanukkah, Tmanya. Enon, Dolo, Lemisbeid, Bahon, Dolo, Lehis Anais, Bahon. You can't fast during these eight days, you can't say a Hespit. Why? Shenichnesu Yivanim Lehechel, Timukah Shmadim Shebehechel. When they went into the base of Mikdash, they were Matame all the oil in the Hechel. And when the Chashmanayim overpowered them, it doesn't even mention the war, when they overpowered them, they found one little container that had the seal of the Kohen Gadol. It could only light for one day. They Managed to light it, and it lasted for eight days. The next year, the next year they made it a yontif from Halavayda. That's obviously from the Gemara. The entire emphasis is on the nace of this tiny little bottle of oil that burned for eight days, as we all know. That's what we usually do. And yet, when we come to Alanisim, Alanisim is what the Chachamim wrote for us to remember Hanukkah and when we celebrate it to be able to focus on it. And it says, When the evil Greek empire arose, to get us to forget the Torah and stop us from keeping the mitzvahs. And you stood up against them. Right? We fought the wars, you judged them, you took vengeance. 
The strong were beaten by the weak, the many were beaten by the few, the Tameyim were beaten by the pure, and the Rishonim were beaten by the righteous, and the learners of Torah beat those who were not. And a great name was made for you. So thus far, we've put the entire emphasis on this tremendous battle against the Greeks, this war. The, the miracle of the war. You made a tremendous salvation for your people. Apparently also a reference to the war. Then we went into the base of Big Nesha, we cleaned it up, we purified it, we lit candles in your holy courtyards. And we established these eight days of Hanukkah to praise and give thanks to your great name. Where is the menorah? So it's alluded to. And we lit candles in your holy courtyards. First of all, Pashtus, it wasn't in the Chatzir. The Chatzir is the outer yard, it was in the Heichal. It was within the base Hamikdash that they lit it. And what's, even if you want to say in the Chatzir, what's Chatzros? What's courtyards? What's your holy courtyards? It was a very strange. Lashen in Al Hanisim that we say every year. And this is it. Now, the whole emphasis here seems to be on the victory. The Gemara, when it stresses why we established Hanukkah, was on the nace of the Neros, which obviously is the reason it's eight days. There's no reason here why it should be eight days. Because we beat the Greeks. So we beat the Greeks, so we celebrate the first day. And if that's the case, don't even like the Menorah the first day. Just have the first day is uh, regular whatever yont if you want to make it you know eat uh, candy spears whatever you want and then make the next seven days light the menorah but but for some reason Alamisim which we say every single day of Hanukkah doesn't seem to put the emphasis on the miracle of the neighbors <clears throat> that's my problem that's the problem that I want to address this year I would like to give you an answer that I saw in the Sifzei Chaim, which is fascinating but does not help me. But I want to share it with you. I find it slightly cryptic. It could be at the end we'll come back to it and it might be a little bit what we're talking about and it might not be. But I uh, just want to show you how hard I work for you. I'd appreciate it, but that's not the point. I don't do this for the thank you. Thank you very much. Anyway, he says a little, he says a shot in al Obviously, it's referring that we were once again able to do the avoda in the base hamikdash. And there's only a hint to the miracle of the oil. The vaday modim Hashem is barach al hanisim she'osa imanu. Of course, we give thanks to Kadosh Baruch Hu for the miracles. But the main thanks is on this. Kadosh Baruch Hu gave us the possibility to serve Him in the Beit Hamikdash. Means we are saying Alanisim three times a day. 
to thank Akush Baruch Hu for the fact that he gave us back the Avodah in the Beis HaMikdash, which we have not been able to do for about 2,000 years. Perhaps that's the reason that we're making reference to it, is that it's really a, fa- a, a, a it's, it's sort of a, a, a plea almost, maybe like we would say, where we, we want to be able to do the Avodah again, but it seems strange that the miracle which we commemorate by lighting the menorah every single day of Hanukkah, that we're not putting the emphasis on. The emphasis is instead being put on the return of the Avod in the base of Mikdash. And the menorah is chosen as a symbol of this. It's not even, we're not even thanking him specifically for the lighting of the menorah in the base of Mikdash as much as the whole Avod in the base of Mikdash. And we chose the lighting of the menorah as a symbol for the return of the Avodah. I'm, I'm, troubled by the, I'm troubled by the answer. There's some cipher that gives another answer. And uh, uh, let's see what he said. This is from the Jewish Chassam Seifer. Lo al neiros ha-menorah ka-omar. We're not talking about what we say, ad-liko neiros, b'chaz was kachacha. It's not talking about the menorah. As we mentioned, you lit the menorah in the heichol, not in the chotzer. On the spits that was set up outside. The They took eight spits, metal spits, and they uh, bars yeah, and they lit candles on them. The miyad acha shah belayla harisha kisha hargishu benes shabatfila heliku ner echad bishpud shal barzel bechotzer hamikdash b'shemen shal chol kidei the fire same ulahadiyah hanes lebabim. On the first night, they right away lit a candle outside, said everyone should know about the miracle. Every night when the menorah burnt with that little bottle of oil, they lit another one outside in the chotzer to let everyone know about it. That's what it's referring to. That a non kohen could light the menorah, so that if a kohen prepared it, if the, if the kohen prepared the menorah and took it outside of the base of mikdash, because obviously a zar can't go in, he could light the menorah. That's what the Rambam says. Midvar of Yeshlomar, the hadlok kshere b'chutz. I feel time of the menorah kach b'chutz. If you took the menorah outside, you could light it. It would be kosher. For the menorah, noicha chashochan ma'aka. Okay, and the fact that it has to be across from the shochan, that's for another reason. Lefiza nearly az haya ha'heichol ha'heichol mori gilulim. Ajapino is heichol lech v'tayros mikdashecha. 
before they were able to clean up the base of Mikdash, it was filled with a Vodazara, it was filled with all kinds of terrible things. So they took the menorah out and they lit it in the chatzah because the chatzah was clean. They didn't have a chance to clean up the heichel. And then the miracle became known. Because all of Bnei Israel saw the menorah burning for eight days. If it was inside the heichel, who would have seen it? Only the Kohanim who went into the base of Mikdash. Became known. That's why we're supposed to light the menorah at the entrance of the Chatzir. I have a problem with this Chatzir Sofer. And that's the case. I'm not clear why we would have written Al-Hanisim the way we wrote it. Because in Al-Hanisim we say, we cleaned out the Eichel, we purified the Mikdash, and then we lit the candles. According to Chesam Seifel, we couldn't light it in the Eichel because it was Tamei, so we waited and took it outside immediately. So it should have first said, It seems kind of strange that that comes at the end, that that happened first. That's it. Thank you for coming. That's, that's what I had uh, more or less to work with. I'm now going to move into some of my own ideas and see if we can maybe try to get uh, another understanding of this. And there's another area of this that I would like to... Um, there's another area of Hanukkah that bothers me. Uh, another area of Hanukkah that bothers me is the fact that we know the concept of Hanukkah, of lighting the menorah, is for Persume Nisa, to publicize the miracle. Now, on Purim, we want to publicize the miracle. So what do we do? We all pile into shul, right? Sometimes in two shifts, sometimes in three shifts. And we read the Megillah publicly so that everybody can hear it. It would seem to me that if the miracle of Hanukkah is the fact that the menorah burned for eight days, the Iker Hadloka should be in the Basic Knesset. When we light the menorah in Shul, that should be the main one. And if for whatever reason a person can't get to Shul, so then, you know, we'll make an exception, let you light it home. But we know the halacha is that the Ikka Hadlaka is at home for Pursume Nisa. And what happens when the situation is such that you can't light it in the courtyard or in the window facing the, the uh, Rishus Arab? So you light it on your dining room table. That's Pursume Nisa. I'm, I'm a little surprised. It, it seems to me that just like we are able to read the Megillah in Shul, regardless of the situation, we should be able to light a menorah in Shul, regardless of the situation. That's pursuing Nisa. That's publicizing the miracle. The groups today that like to set up a giant 50-foot menorah 
you know, with a cherry picker and invite people to come and light the menorah that everyone should see it. On a simple level, I understand it. Pursue Nisa. Why didn't we ever do that? We didn't have cherry pickers. So we got a big ladder. Then we know in the base of Mikdash, on Sukkot, what did they do? When they had that simplest base of Shaleva. So the Mishnahis tell us they set these giant, the giant lamps up on the Harabayas, and they were filled with giant amounts of olive oil, and they lit them, and all of Yerushalayim, every courtyard of Yerushalayim was lit up from the lights here. Now that's the way to celebrate Hanukkah. That's the way to do it. Light up every courtyard. Light it, put it up here in the higher bias and light up everybody. Put it in shawl. Put it in the town square. What's this little menorah on the dining room table? That's how I grew up. North Merrick, Long Island, we, you know, weren't many people walking in the street who would have appreciated it. You know, and, uh, and, I, and that was it. We... we put the little candles on our dining room table. So, so it seems many people have done throughout Jewish history. Pesumei Nisa. The Pachot. Make the Iku. The, the fact that we lighted the basic Knesses. This has always bothered me. So uh, there's a famous Ramban. The beginning of Parshish Baloscha. It's a famous Hanukkah Ramban. There's uh, you know on a holiday that lasts eight days, so you usually sift through all of the relevant material. You have to keep saying divrei Torah, especially, you know, it's brought down, uh, you know, there's no din of eating and drinking on Hanukkah. That's a Purim din. This is a more spiritual holiday. On Purim, they tried to kill us physically, so this celebration is more physical. We eat, we drink. Yeah? On Hanukkah, they tried to destroy us spiritually, so it's more spiritual. Aye, what about all the Hanukkah masibus? What about all the parties that everybody has? So we say the purpose of the parties is just as an, as an excuse to get people together to say Divrei Torah. Now, I've been to many where the Divrei Torah was an excuse to have the party, you know? And, uh, and so, you know, very often people have to say Divrei Torah, and there's, you know, a whole bunch of people saying the same, you know, have to say Divrei Torah eight days. You know, you want to eat those latkes, you better come up with a Dvatara, you know. So there's certain material that gets picked over every single year. And uh, this Ramban is often brought in. And it's the Ramban at the beginning of Pashas Paloscha, where he's, of course, troubled by the fact that at the end of Pashas Naso, every Nasi brings a gift. We spoke about this Ramban on Pashas Naso some years ago um, in this forum. But uh, in any event, uh, every Nasi from every Shevet brings his dedication between Rosh Chodesh Nisan and Yudbe's Nisan as they dedicate the Mishkan, the Mizbeach. Everyone brings their kabanos, everybody brings their special offerings. And at the end of that, the Parashim begins, um, the Kodesh Baruch Hu, uh, gives to Aaron, the, reiterates to Aaron the mitzvah of the menorah. When you light it, how are you supposed to light it? We added the idea of the three steps. A few other ideas are introduced at that time. And there's the Pashta Menorah. What's it doing there? So Rashi tells us that Aaron felt bad because at the Chanukahs 
Hamishkan, here, this is Rashi. His, he felt bad. He was not involved in dedication. Neither him nor the entire tribe of Levi. You'll see yours is greater than theirs. Because you will light the menorah morning and night. That's Rashi. Says the Ramban. Why did this make him feel better? What about the Kataras? And we know the Kataras was such a special thing. What about all the Kabanos? What about the Minchas Chavitin, which is a special carbon that only the Kohen Gomer brings? What about the Avodah on Yom Kippur when he gets to go into the Kosh HaKadoshim? And only the Kohen Gomer can do. What about the fact that his entire shaman are the ones who work in the Mishkan? Plus, he says, I understand, he did the whole Yemei Milulim. For eight days, he was bringing Kabanos, just Aaron Obanov. They were the ones bringing all the Kabanos for the whole Shemei Milulim, and then they did the whole thing to bring down the Shrim in the first place, and the Yemashmini. But somehow, this is going to make him feel better. So if you want to say it's because the Nesim gave a Nadova, what the Nesim gave was a free will offering, and Aaron Ubanov was commanded to do all this, the lighting the menorah is also a commandment. Says the Ramban, Aval Inyan, Hahagoda, Hazu, Lidres, Remez, Menapasha, Al Chanukah, Shalneros, Shahisa, Babayasheni, Aide Aaron Ubanov. That means there's a different Hanukkah, a whole nother dedication that's going to come about through Aaron and his sons, which are what? The Chashmanayim Kohen Godel Uvanov. Chashmanayim Kohanim. And this is what I found in the Megillus uh, Storm of Rebbeinu Nisim. Re'isi b'medrash, kerem shehikrivu, shnei masah shvatavu, hikrivu shevet levi, omak kodesh baruchu l'moshe. There's going to be another dedication that's going to be done completely through lighting the candles. And it's going to be done through your sons. Nisim Uchua. In another medrash, and an old in Tanchuma Yosha and the Chaim of Medrash Rabbah, Omer Kodesh Baruch Hu Moshe, Lech Emily Aaron Altis Yore. Don't be afraid. You are set aside for something greater. Listen to this medrash. Hakabanos calls man The Kabanos only exist while the Beis Hamikdash exists. But the candles will always be lit in front of the menorah. Says the Ramban, when the basement is destroyed, there's no more kabanos. There is no more lighting of the menorah. Uh, what made him feel better, Aram, was not the lighting of the menorah in the base of Mikdash. 
It was not even, according to this medrash, the the relighting of the menorah in the base of Mikdash. It was that little menorah that we light on our dining room table every single year for millennium. Because this has never has never run out. This has always been here. This is what the Ramban is telling us. So let's try to let's try to put this into a perspective for us. What, is it, what does that mean? It means that the Mechashmanayim lit the menorah in the base of Mikdash or in the Heichel or in the, or in the Chatzir whatever they did that, that wasn't the focus for Aaron Ubanov. The focus for Aaron Ubanov that made them feel better the thing that restored their their his, his, his dust that made him feel better was the fact that we're going to celebrate Hanukkah in our house every single year over and over again. That's the power. There is some sort of a power that goes into that little menorah that we light that was greater than the Ketiris, it was greater than the Kohen Gadol going into the Kosher Gadosh on Yom Kippur, it was greater than all the things that we've experienced and the best to make this better than what all the see and brought. What is there in that little, in that little menorah? There's something else there. I remembered an idea that I heard from my friend, Benjamin Hammer, the first year I was married, 23 years ago. He stopped by Hanukkah and he said an idea from Rosh that stayed with me all these years. I wasn't sure where it was. I, I got a hold of his safer just really within the past 24 hours. Mordim was my name. And uh, he says over an unbelievable idea. And I think this idea really answers up everything that we're talking about and perhaps ties in some of the other things that we've mentioned. He says like this. If the first day... Okay. We, the famous base Yosef Kasha, right? Famous base Yosef Kasha. If there was enough oil to burn for one day, so how can we celebrate Hanukkah for eight days? Right? Everybody deals with this. There's about a thousand uh, answers. Someone said there's a whole safe that was put out just answering this Kasha. Right? If, the, if there's enough oil to burn for one, for, for one day, so then one day is not a miracle. It's just the next seven days it's a miracle. So, he brings a pre-Chodosh. And he says... That why do we celebrate it for eight days? Because the first day we're celebrating the victory of the Muhammad. So to this he says, if that's the case, then you don't have to light the menorah the first day. There's nothing whatsoever to do with that. But if we're lighting the menorah, then that has to be the emphasis of the miracle. As well as we see from the Gemara and Shabbos, that that's the emphasis and he makes reference to the Kashan Ahanisim Hidliko Neros Bachasras Kodshecha. The same problem. The Greeks, when they fought us in the battle, were not interested in destroying us. This was a different war. This was a war that took on physical characteristics, but that wasn't the purpose of the war. Most people who attack you want to capture you, they want to tax you, they want to they want money, they want power, they want land, 
this was a battle of ideas. The Greeks were coming after us because this was a battle that was a ruchnistic battle. Even though, you know, we said on Purim it's a physical, a physical salvation, we were under danger by the Greeks too. They were coming after us. They had an army. They wanted to kill us. Was, uh, make no mistake about that. But that wasn't the problem. In Purim, it didn't matter what our religious beliefs were. We were going to be destroyed. The, the Haman and his followers had in common with the Nazis, they wanted to kill Jews. It didn't matter what your beliefs were. Those uh, stories of how Eichmann went out of his way to seek out Jews who had converted, Jews who were married to important people, and to seek them out and, and to kill them anyway. It was, it was total destruction. The Greeks, if we would have given up what we believe in, if we would have changed our values, forgotten Torah, not kept the mitzvahs, that's fine. They didn't feel any obligation to kill us or destroy us. They only wanted to destroy religion. And he brings an amazing medrash where he says the following. Um, when they lit the menorah, was a tremendous miracle. When they lit the menorah in the Beis HaMikdash, it spread out and lit up every courtyard in Yerushalayim. The Greeks didn't have such a problem with us bringing Karbonos per se. The biggest problem they had was with the menorah. Because when we lit the menorah in the Beis HaMikdash, Every chotzer in Yerushalayim was lit up. The light that came out from the menorah lit up everything. Yerushalayim was awash in this Kedusha. There was no darkness. Now here the Greeks are working hard to get us to forget that which is most important to us. And to get it to be washed away. And here they're going to light this menorah and light up every courtyard, light up every home, Brighten the hearts of every Jew. This was Dafka what they wanted to get rid of. More than anything because of its public display. When we defeated them, we understood that this was a lighting that had to be done before Hesia. We wanted to show that the Greeks' power Greek is, Greece is called Choshech in a number of places. Tohu, Revolve, Choshech, Apnezahom. Tohu, Vohu is Bovel uh, and Poras. Choshech is Yavan. Tohom is, is Edom. But in a number of places you find that Greece is called Choshech. Ashkichem Torah to get us to forget, to destroy the light that we have, to plunge us into darkness. Therefore, more than anything, we wanted to publicly bring that light back. So we say, because the chatzrois becomes kadosh. We lit it dafka in the chatzah so that everybody could see 
that we weren't afraid to bring that light back. We're going to do it before Hesia. We're going to do it publicly. And through this, everybody would once again be lit up. Uh, he says one other idea here. We'll, we'll talk about it for a second. It's not exactly what Rafid Landa says, but maybe we could say it like this. Hadliku Neros Bechatzvah's Kachacha was on the return of the Avoda. The Avoda of the Beis Mikdash. What's the Avoda of the Beis Mikdash? Yes, it's bringing the Kabanos. Yes, it's lighting the Menorah and bringing the Kataras. But it's more than that. The Avoda of the Beis Mikdash was something that gave the entire world a purpose and a direction. If the Umas Olam knew what they gained from having a Beis Mikdash, they would rush to help us rebuild it. The Beis Mikdash gave the entire world purpose. It became the focal point of Shemayim Ba'aretz. The Avodah in the base of Mikdash, uh, the world stands on this Avodah. When we take everything in this world and we bring it into the service of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and in that place comes the Shefa of all the goodness that comes down to the world, the Avodah in the base of Mikdash was not just another mitzvah. It wasn't just something for temporary. Where does it live? The Ramban, I think, might be telling us that every year when we light the menorah, there's a vestige of the menorah that was lit in the base of Mikdash. There's an ability for us to be able to, that even when the Avodos HaKabonos is gone, that even when all the base of Mikdash is destroyed, there's one thing that continues, that's the lighting of the menorah. And it lives on in the lighting of the menorah that we light in our own little private home on the dining room table. To light the menorah in shul, to light a 50-foot menorah in town. I just came back from America. To go down Main Street in so many communities, whatever the Main Street happens to be, and you see they have the Xmas decorations, and then the garland with a little menorah on it or a Jewish star interspersed either on the lamppost or across the street. That's not presuming Nisa. When you, when you see that the very thing that has been assembled for the fact that all the things that are kadosh, all the things that are holy and special in our lives has become a symbol like anything else. That's not presuming Nisa. Presume Nisa is when you can light up your home with a menorah. When the light of the Besamikdash, of the uh, avoda that remains, the vestige of that avoda is in your home, that we still, we still have our house shining with that light. That's what we try to do. Lahadlik neros b'chatzras kadshecha. We made that you light You know where that is? That's your home. That's the home that we make into a makam kadosh. Which is not an easy thing to do. Because the darkness surrounds us so powerfully. I don't know how many people are aware of this, but uh, there is a minag. It's brought down in the achronim. And uh, Hasidim in particular are careful that uh, tonight there are people who don't learn. Now, there are people who are careful all year to observe this minag, but uh, there are people who are not careful to observe it all year, but tonight is Nittelnacht. Now I know when I was in yeshiva we, 
we learned Nitanacht anyway. And I remember one night I was, Nitanacht came out on Shabbos, last year it came out on Shabbos also. Remember the shul I dove and they asked me if I would speak. So I said, I guess this is to be a kayim, the minig of not saying divrei Torah. I figured they'll put me up, you know what I'm saying, you know. But, um, but uh, I remember it was, it was years ago, it came out on Shabbos, and I was being Marba Sedra. And, um, and this fellow says to me, this young Afreich says to me, I guess you hold that Nitonach starts at Seis. It was between, it was between you know, Kabbalah and Shabbos and I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you, you're learning. I said, yeah, when I was in yeshiva, we always learned Mithonach. what do you mean? He starts citing all the Makaras. This one says, this one says, this one says. So I said, well, um, I see Svi Kuchalevsky sitting in the front of the shul, and he's being Marber Sedra also. So he says, maybe he also holds it starts at Seis. I said, let's go ask him. So I brought him up. Now, I had been learning by routine for a number of years, and I was smart enough not to ask the question myself. I pushed him up ahead of me. <laughs> and he says, does Rashiva hold? <laughs> it wasn't pretty. Does Rashiva hold? <laughs> that uh, little knock starts at Seis. He goes, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> you know? So he says, well, you know. He says, listen. He says, you understand the, the reason for Nitto Nacht? The Koychas HaTumah come out tonight. And because the Koychas HaTumah can take your Torah and twist it and pervert it for evil purposes, that's the reason that we don't learn a Nitonach. But the Torah that we say is so twisted and perverted anyway, you don't have to worry about Nitonach. <laughs> that was the, uh, the approach. Somebody else said over from Pavarsky, from part of it, he says, uh, he says, he says, you learn Nitonacht and I'll take the Gehenim. He says, don't worry about it. I'll take it on my head. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when we talk about the Kriches HaTum, and like I say, most of us, Baruch Hashem, are not, are not really, uh, are not even aware of these Kriches HaTum because we're so Tumadik already. You know what I mean? A little bit more is hard for us to even note. But, uh, but the fact of the matter is that this is, this is a night when the Umas HaOlam managed to bring a lot of Tumah into the world. You know, the Gemara in Gittin tells us uh, a fascinating insight, I'm using the word fascinating loosely, that uh, the fellow who they believe was born at this time, where is he in the next world? So uh, Uncleus went to take a look and he finds that he's boiling in a vat of Tsoar. And um, that's extremely unpleasant. Any of those associations are extremely unpleasant. Well, what's the idea? The idea is that it's something that's expelled. It's something that's tossed aside. It's something that's no longer, let's find a nice word, desirable. And the organism expels it. And in fact, he came from, from the Jewish people himself. And he was expelled out into the Umasa who grabbed him up happily. And that's the type of a tumor that comes out at this time. And that's why this is a time of darkness. Time of darkness. And in fact, one of the reasons that the tainus of Asaratevis was made is because in tradition, we hold that that was really his birthday. That was his Hebrew birthday. Was those three days of darkness, the 8th, 9th, and 10th of uh, Teves. When he was born, brought darkness to the world. 
It brought tumor to the world. All the, all the destruction that came about. And Hanukkah comes out at that time. Because even though Hanukkah predates him, it's a time when the Greeks wanted to darken the eyes and hearts of the Jewish people. To get us to forget what's important. To make it Tomei. If I show you a bottle of Toho oil and Tomei oil, can you tell the difference? No. They look exactly the same. But the Tomei is something that takes the same oil and changes its entire nature. Tomei is so deceptive. You don't see it. You don't smell it. We're at a point where we don't even feel it. We grow so used to living in Tumah that we don't even understand what it is. I, I've, I've said this uh, in the past, you know, when the base Middash is rebuilt, and the Sheikh comes, do you understand how different our lives are going to be? Forget for now the, um, you know, I mean, today when we try to look at what's difficult in our lives, people say, well, kashras. Kashras is sometimes very difficult to know all the halachas. Shabbos, a lot of halachas are Shabbos, it's very difficult. Pesach, where it takes to get everything ready for Pesach. That's child's play. When the laws of Tumah and Tyra kick back in, you understand what we're going to be experiencing? My favorite parak in all of Shas is in Shkolem called Kol Haroikin. Oh, the spittle. If you're walking and you step in spittle, you know, are you Tomei or not? Maybe it was a Zav who happened to have spit. You're walking down the street, it says at certain times of year, the Tahar people walked on the outside of the street, other times they walked in the middle of the street. But it means if you're walking down the street and somebody bumps into you, you have to say, excuse me, sir, are you a Zav? Just out of curiosity. <laughs> are you Tomei? And if so, what kind? <laughs> yeah, well, thanks for the information. Don't shake. Is that, you know? I gotta go to the big for now and my clothes. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> you know it's gonna be? You know? Goodness gracious. And, uh, you know, and whatever you sit on becomes Tomei, and whatever you lie down on becomes Tomei. Depending on the tumor. Whatever you touch. So forget about that. They're gonna have drive in mikvahs. Honk, honk. Bring the whole thing in. Keep the windows open. Right through the mikvah. Take your couches, dump them in. Take your dining room table. Take your chairs. People get married. They're like, oh, I have to bring all my dishes to the mikvah. Get used to it, sweetheart. It's going to be going on on a regular basis. That's it. Tummy. Tumma. Tabal Chacham. Well, let's flip it around. And Amma Aretz was somebody, the mother tells us, who was not careful to eat Chulun Batara, a chover. Tabachacham was someone who was careful, careful to eat Chulun Batara. All of his food, he only ate Batara. Is that what that means? No. Trust me, you don't. <laughs> but it's involved. To make something tummy is so simple. It's a touch. It doesn't take much to darken. But to be kadosh? And on Hanukkah, we light the menorah, not in shul. It's easy to be kadosh in shul. I know people who are Kadosh and Shul. I mean, I know people who aren't Kadosh and Shul also. You know but I know, I know people can be Kadosh and Shul, people who be Kadosh in the base Medrash. But can you be Kadosh at home? 
Can you fill your home with light and with Kedusha? Can you see the Avodah of the Beis HaMikdash in your home? Because the last vestige of it we're about to light tomorrow night. Aaron Cohen looked at the dedication of the Mishkan before the Beis HaMikdash, the Mishkan. The fire came down from Shemayim and burnt in the Mizbeach. The cloud hovered above it all the time. The Shekhinah was palpable. And he felt bad because he had no part of it. And he's told, don't worry about it. Because you're going to have a greater dedication. And that's a dedication that's going to last the day does. What do you mean, says the Ramban? But the Avodah will be stopped. But the neighbors will never be stopped because every year we will light the menorah. And that light is carrying on the light from that menorah that, the, that was lit in the base of Mikdash that shone out and lit up every courtyard in Yerushalayim. You come to Yerushalayim, it's, it's, it's different than North America. I can tell you that much. You know? It's different than almost anywhere. I gave it up. When I used to be in America, we used to play a game with the kids when they were little. How many menorahs can you count? Forget it. We don't have numbers big enough. You know? You walk outside. How many menorahs? Well, on that window there's six. You understand? And over there there's twelve. And then, you know, until I finish this building, I'll be here all night. Look at the light shining out. It's one of the beautiful things about living in Yerushalayim is not just how many menorahs you can see, but how many homes you can see that try to fill that house with the light of that Kedusha. Where we try to, to, to take this night, Golis is night, Yovan is, is Choshech, to take this night, to take this darkness and to light it up. To, to get that light of that candle to chase away the shadows to chase away the tumor, to chase away all the, the, the evil that seeps into our lives and seeps into our homes so insidiously. You don't even realize it. Insidiously. Wrong word. Insidiously. Bit by bit, it comes in through the little cracks. And we hold up that light. And we put it at our doorway and say, no darkness comes in here. We shine it out into the street. Don't come in here. And if we have no other place that we're allowed to light it, then we put it on our little dining room table. Our table's like a mezbeach, we always tell the kids. Don't sit on it. And we put it on our mezbeach, and we light that light, and we say, at least in here, we have Kedusha. And so we go now into Hanukkah, and this is the struggle. The struggle is against Yavan. Their spears, their swords, their bows and arrows, their elephants, their catapults. That wasn't what we were afraid of. And that's not what we're celebrating. It was their theater and their sports and their philosophy and their literature and all of the wonderful contributions they made to the world that we're afraid of. Because the tumor that they bring in, you don't even see it. You don't even realize how it takes a hold. And that's what we have to light up. Mitz Hashem, this Hanukkah, there's a, there's a last point that he makes here that I just want to mention. And he says, the Gemara tells us, Hanukkah, Havayin Lobanim, Tamli Chachamim. 
right? Which is a, a rugu b'neir. So he says, with the Chanana on the Rosh, the Ran, also he's talking about Ne'er Chanaka. He says, how could we ruggle B'ne'er Chanaka? It's once a year. So the, the people say, Ne'er Shabbos, Ne'er Chanaka. So he says, because the Ne'er Chanaka means that we stand up proud and publicly and reject all of the Tumah. And a person who does that will be Zaychet to have Tamidei Chachamim. Because we'll be able to bring up a home that's based on Kedusha. Amen.